In today's show, we look back at the 2020-2021 season for the San Antonio Spurs. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Let's talk San Antonio Spurs now because uh, there's a bit to talk about with this team. All right, let's start off. They missed the playoffs, of course, beaten in the play-in game. Um, Finished 33-39. and Not great. That's two years in a row that they've missed the playoffs. 21st in offense, 17th in defense. We don't know whether Greg Popovich is going to be back for another season. You assume so, but I don't think there's any guarantee. The Spurs are in a really weird spot. We'll talk about it in a sec, but their free agency um, is going to be really interesting in terms of key players that probably should be moving on. And I think if they do bring some of these guys back, it indicates that maybe they're just trying to give a level of competitiveness for a Greg Popovich team. But we, we don't know. Now, they obviously started off the season with LaMarcus Aldridge, who was bad. I did not think that Greg Popovich would bench him, but he did, which is great. You know, great to see him making the correct move for the team. So, um, yeah, not that you know, Popovich is a guy that you know, he's, you're always going to criticize, but he's also not immune to criticism. But that was a fantastic move for him to uh, to decide, you know, well, we've got better players who are going to be playing here in this role versus LaMarcus. And then LaMarcus cracked the shits and left, and then, of course, had to retire. Um, 15th in pace. They have two picks, their own picks. 12th pick at this point and the 41st pick their chances of getting up into the top are about uh, top four about eight percent so they're almost definitely going to sit with this pick number 12 and then they get that second rounder there at number 41 now i talked about it already i referenced it already they're free agents demato rosen patty mills rudy gay three really big rotation pieces are unrestricted free agents I don't know what sort of contract someone like demato rosen is going to be getting demanding but he is 32. I wouldn't want to be paying him a huge amount for as good as he can be in terms of being a scorer and the way that he's adapted his game to be a facilitator, he's 32. And I'm not convinced of how much he actually leads to winning basketball. And I know that's a controversial statement to many, but I'm, I'm, I'm just not convinced. Mills feels like a guy that will come back and just be continually a San Antonio Spurs player. Well, Rudy Gay, I'm not convinced we'll be back. Uh, Gorgie Jang's unrestricted. Trey Lyles is unrestricted. No, I wouldn't be... You know, Jang did sign there as a buyout guy, and he played well when he played, but most of the time he was a third-string center behind Pirtle and Eubanks. And Lyles, who started all of last season, didn't really play at all this year, so I don't think he's going to be back. And I'm not sure NBA teams will be... Tripping all over their decks to sign Trey Lyle, to be fair. So the big question, of course, is going to be DeRozan. Less so Mills and a large chunk of Gay. But I think Gay, um, they have that... If they're going to really lean into a rebuild, which they probably should be, 
then you know the guy like Luka Sharmanich or, or maybe whatever they do at pick 12, you know, they could move into that Rudy Gay role next season. But uh, yeah, some big decisions that really shape how a lot happens or a lot works on this San Antonio team for fantasy basketball next season. Let's start with DeMar DeRozan, who played 61 games this year. He averaged 21 points. That all seems pretty good. 21 points. Good start. 21.6. He hit 0.33s. He's still not great at that. 26%. Four boards. Seven assists, which is a staggering number. 0.9 steals. 0.2 blocks. 50 from the field and 88 from the line. So unbelievable elite efficiency. Like very good stuff. 59 true shooting. He was 61 last year. His mid-range shooting, unbelievable. 47%. Finish at the rim, not bad. He doesn't take threes, but doesn't, doesn't hit them either. Gets to the line a lot and he hits them at a high rate. Assist, fantastic. He's never going to be a good defensive player. And actually, his EPM was a, was a positive, 0.6. Mainly, you know, huge offensive positive, massive defensive negative. And, and that's always been the problem with DeRozan is the lack of shooting is a problem, but the fact that he cannot defend at all. And you have to scheme everything around him, like playing a shooting guard basically at power forward in order to try and hide some of his defensive issues. It leads to problems with the rest of the lineup. He was a positive still in LeBron, 1.38, fourth on this team. His Raptor was fifth on this team. And I said he had a pretty good EPM at plus 0.6. But he is 32. And he has shooting concerns and defensive concerns and age concerns. So what sort of deal he gets is a really, really big question. 51st player for category leagues, 35th for points leagues, 38 points per game. Will he be a guy that we take? And he was drafted 52nd last year. I would be very cautious about drafting him in the top 50 again. I don't think he's in San Antonio. I think that the assist rate drops next year. I think there's a real chance that some of his efficiency numbers fall off as well. And maybe the 27 usage in 34 minutes also falls off. I think there is a real chance um, that he is a bust type player next year. And maybe even someone, and this is complete speculation because I don't know where he's going. If he finished outside the top 100 next season, I wouldn't be surprised just depending on uh, aging, but also the scenario of what team he ends up and what situation he does you know, find himself in uh, on a new squad. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more with a Credit Karma money spend account. You can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you're looking for that satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma money, you could win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma customers and counting. Credit Karma progress starts here, and right now, if you visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney, you can open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. When you're looking for a part for your car, rockauto.com is the place to go. Hey, maybe you can even use your Credit Karma card at rockauto.com. Because when you go to repair a car, one of the reasons if you do it yourself is because you want to save money. So why would you go somewhere like a big uh, auto store, chain store, where they're going to charge you way more than they would for professionals? It doesn't make sense. RockAuto.com, the prices are always reliably low, and they are the same for professionals and for do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? 
That rockauto.com catalog is unique and it's remarkably easy to navigate and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Next player, DeJounte Murray. Pretty good season, I think, for DeJounte. He played 67 games. He played 32 minutes a night. That's better than where he was at last year, where he played, what, um, just 26 minutes a night the previous season. But interestingly, in 26 minutes a night in 1920, he was the 73rd ranked player. This season, in 32 minutes, he was 68th. That is, no, 67th, 68th, so not a big increase. Yeah, at his ADP of 70, fine. 55th in points leagues. He's a better points league player because... Um, yeah, you don't have to worry about some of the percentage issues that he does have. But that, that is a bit of a concern that the fact that he played six and a half more minutes and it didn't generate much value in terms of category leagues is a little bit worrying, I think. Um, some of that is just the fact that his steals did drop, and, and that's probably the large part. It went for, only went from 1.7, but it went from 1.7 down to 1.5, which in fewer in more minutes is a little bit of a worry. His efficiency from the field dropped from 46 to under 45. That's somewhat of a worry too. And in the environment where you know, more threes are being made and taken, he did increase his threes, but not by enough to, to make that a huge difference. There's nothing wrong with you know averaging 16, 7, and 5.5 and with 1.5 steals. Like they're, they're good numbers. He shot 45 from the field and 79 from the line. Again, they're pretty solid numbers. But where does he go from here? I think that's the question that I have for Murray. Like, where? what's the improvement? Where does the improvement come? I don't have any faith in him becoming a good shooter. He did hit 45% of his mid-ranges somehow, but not a good long-range guy, not a great finisher, has been a bad finisher his entire career at the rim. He's a very good rebounder, and he has improved his passing. It's still not great, but he has improved his passing. He's 54th percentile for assist percentage for point guards. Steal rate is obviously great, but he is one of the worst shot blockers somehow in the NBA this year. And this is a guy that had really high um, shot block numbers previously. He blocked 0.1 shots per game this year. That's a total of eight blocks for the season. That's staggering that he was able to block so few shots for a guy that has the defensive ability that he does. 1.6 EPM is a really strong number. He was fourth in Raptor. That's really good. He led the team in LeBron. He is a very impactful player. He, to me, I worry about his ability. Usage at 24 is a good improvement as well. I worry about if there's any scalability in his game. Look, when DeRozan goes, can he take on all of that playmaking? Can he take on the offensive usage? And I would have to say no to both of those things. Can he be really good defensively? Yeah, he is, and he still will be. Can the shooting improve? It probably can, but will it is the big question. His best ever true shooting season was 52, well below league average. He was at 50.1, uh, 50.5 this year. Again, a quite a poor number. So while we look at him as a, a 67th ranked player this season, I could say either 32 minutes could go to 33 or 34. I I feel almost, he's almost 25. So he's not, not old, but not young. I think that maybe the top 50 is the cap for, DeMar, uh, for DeJounte Murray. I could be wrong on that, and DeRozan going might just unleash a whole bunch of stuff. But from watching him, there's just a few things that lack, and that's offensive aggression in terms of taking a shot, making a shot, passing, and uh, and goes to the shooting percentages. And, and I worry whether all those things can come together. Jakob Pertl, 
finally pushed into a large role, not quite as big as I would hope. 69 games, 27 minutes per game. Started over um, LaMarcus Aldridge for a big chunk of time, rightfully so. 104th, 108th ranked player for the year at 149 ADP, really strong. But over the last three months, he was the 75th ranked player as those minutes pushed to 30 a night. 27 points per game for fantasy points. What Yucca Pertl is able to do is be very good in field goal percentage, very good in blocks, and a very strong rebounder. Now, he is a terrible free throw shooter. He shot 51% from uh, the line, but he doesn't get there at all. And it doesn't. It has an impact, but it's not unrecoverable from. But if we look at what he did when he played those 30 minutes a night over those, let's, let's look at his last two months, 10 and 8, 2.2 blocks, 60% shooting, and actually shot 72% from the line. So some big improvements there. I, to me, he is an absolute lock to be a top 100 fantasy player next season. He was in the 94th percentile for EPM. He's always had strong advanced numbers, but took it up a notch this season, even with an, imp- uh, an increased role. He finished at the rim at a higher level. His true shooting was at 62%. He's a great offensive rebounder, one of the best in the NBA, a very good rim protector and shot blocker. Very good. At those things, he was second on this team in Raptor with a staggering 5.1 defensive Raptor. He was in my top three defensive player of the year. He was third in LeBron, again, with a huge LeBron figure. Again, EPM 2.9, big numbers. And offensively, he was a positive as well. I really think he is good. Those 27 minutes a night, they will push to 30. They should get to 31. And, And I do think that there's an outside chance of him topping the top 50. But he's definitely a top 80 player next year and maybe top 70. You do have to worry about the free throws, but the shot blocking, the rebounding, the field goal percentage, and yeah, 10 to 11 points, it's not great. But look at him as a very mini Rudy Gobert. That's the sort of uh, profile we're talking about here with Jakob Pertl. Maximum Derek. All right, here we go. Let's talk Derek White. Now, White is 27 years of age. Let's get that out of the way there. He's not young. I should have mentioned Pearl. He's twenty, about to turn 26 in a few months. White is 27, so he's not young, but he's bang on his prime. 36 games played, 30 minutes a game. So there's your number one thing. Injuries. A toe injury to begin the season. And we had no understanding that White would miss any time to begin the year. And then Popovich was like, uh, yeah, he's not going to be ready to begin this season. I went, oh, shit. Then he missed the first three weeks. And then once I heard that news from Popovich, I did drop him way down my draft board. His ADP ended up being 90, and I think that's about, you know, I think I had him about 97, 98 around that point, because I thought he's going to miss a week or so, or two weeks. And I can deal with that around that 100 mark, um, dealing getting a point guard who I think can be, you know, push top 60. Came back, hurt his toe again. And then at that point, I went, well, if he's going to be out four weeks, which I believe he was, then you drop him. Like, if you don't have injury reserve, you've got to drop him. He, he's going to take time to come back. And then he came back. And then he caught COVID. And the season was ruined for him. But, well, the other thing that happened is, this is a guy that whose first three years in the NBA, he shot 49, 48, and 46% from the field. This season, just decided I can't shoot anymore, 41% from the field. So while I know people love to hate on me for, oh, Josh, Derek Ward, he's your favorite player. He's not, not even close. I think he's quite good. I think he's really good. I think he's a big impact guy whose uh, season was rooted with injuries and he could absolutely blow up. But he's not my favorite player. I just understand where the talent lies. In the last 14 games of the year, he played 31 minutes. He averaged 17, 3, and 4 with 0.7 steals, 0.9 blocks, 43, and 88. Now, the 88's great. He shot 34% from three. 
His shooting was way off this season. There is no doubt about that. But he blocked shots at a huge rate. He steals. I think that can actually improve. The assists were down. And I think if DeRozan leaves, we are going to see White instituted as the primary playmaker on this team. So I would not be shocked to see this. Well, his season numbers are 15, 3, and 3.5. Three and if that goes to 18, 4, and 6 with a steal and a block on 45 and 86, I'm not going to be surprised at all. The best three-point shooter currently in their starting lineup, and that could change depending on who replaces DeRozan, He's going to take shots. He's going to facilitate. He's going to be a good defensive player. He is just really good. His EPM was a plus 2.2, the best number of his career, despite having a below average true shooting. His mid-ranges fell off completely. He was a 48% mid-range shooter in his uh, first full season. He was down to 40 this year. So that's really where the drop-off is. His three-pointers are about the same. His rim shooting numbers are about the same. He just The mid-ranges just disappeared. He also lost his assist rate because DeRozan and Murray were handling things. But if DeRozan's gone... I expect that to jump back up to your 20, 21% assist rate. Steal rate also dropped off. It had been at almost 2% in the past, and that has a chance to come back up. He led this team in Raptor with a massive positive and defensively and a positive offensively. He was second on this team in LeBron, actually equal first with DeJounte. He's just really, really good. And I know people will disagree with it, and people hate him because they love just being contrary to what I say. But let's see where his ADP lies. Again, there is a real chance. Like Pirtle, Pirtle's a top 100 player. White will be a top 100 player. He was 109th this season. He will be a top 100 player. He will sniff the top 60. He might crack the top 40. And I would never draft him in the top 40 or the top 60. 75 to 80, sure. But if DeRozan's gone, assists go, usage go up, minutes go up. He played under 30 minutes a game. That will not happen next year. He will not have two separate toe injuries and catch COVID. Write that down. That won't, won't happen next season. I don't guarantee much, but I guarantee you that won't happen. And so those games will go up, the minutes will go up, the assists will go up, the shooting percentages will go up, the usage should go up, the ranking will go up. I feel really confident about all of those things. So, not to say he won't get injured at times, because he probably will. Not to say he can't have some bad shooting, because he probably can, or he definitely will. But in a dynasty league, with all the bullshit that went on with Derek White this year, I'm buying him, despite him being 27, factor that in. He might only have two, three years left at this level which is frustrating. But yeah, I mean, I mean on Derek White as you're going to be absolutely shocked to understand that or to uh for me to uh, tell you that I'm in on Derek White. Now Derek White would love to take these Spurs teams back to the playoffs, but in our road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra right across the Locked On Podcast Network. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, as is the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. And you can track all of that action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including NBA, NHL playoffs, UFC, and Major League Baseball. So before the next tip-off, head to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today using our promo code LOCKEDON. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. This week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is, it has to be, Maximum Derek. Now, again, Spurs fans, and I, th- I think most of the people that hate on Derek White are not Spurs fans. Spurs fans, you know how good this guy is. I think the NBA is going to see it next year that he's going to become a very, very good player. 
He gives me joy when he goes out for these games and has 18 points, five assists, two blocks, three steals, shoots 60%. Unfortunately, he had too many games of shooting 12%. But Derek White is a guy that brings me happiness because I, I, I know that he can be good and I love seeing him have a big game. And it's only worth it if you enjoy it, much like I enjoy Derek White. Only 2.6 grams of carbs in Michelob Ultra, 95 calories. Joy creates success. So your Michelob Ultra player of the week, of course, is Derek White for all of the enjoyment that he does bring me. Okay. Rudy Gay. He's fine. I don't know what else to say. He's going to turn 35. He played 63 games, 22 minutes a night. 167th ranked player for category leagues. 162nd in points. Averaged 22 points. He averaged 11 and 5. 0.7 steals, 0.6 blocks, 42 and 80. Like, okay-ish sort numbers, sort of numbers, but he's 35. Like, do we expect his role to improve from here on out? I wouldn't have thought so. Positive EPM, which is great, considering he's coming back from that Achilles injury a few years ago. And he has recovered pretty well. He went from a, say, star-level player uh, when he tore his Achilles to being a very, very solid role player. So just adjusted what he needed to do. Never got back to those same heights. Not a shock at all, but was very, very strong. Defensively, I thought he held out well. Played some small ball center at times. He was third on this team in Raptor. He was pretty high in LeBron. He had a good EPM. His, you know, his three-point shooting at 38% was really strong. I think he's adjusted to this late stage of his career really well. Now, he's a guy that's probably going to sign like one-year veteran minimum deals, or maybe it's like a mid-level exception or a you know, $5 million a year deal or two years, $10 million with a non-guarantee or some shit like that. That's the sort of contract I imagine. He's the perfect sort of player that someone like the Lakers need to be going after. I mean, you know, when you're in a win-now spot with LeBron and he can come in and, and play these minutes at the three and the four, I suppose they got Kyle Kuzma there, but Rudy Gay is a better player than Kyle Kuzma at this point. Obviously not for the future. But Gay is a, a you know, the sort of role that Nick Batum had on the Clippers. That is where Rudy Gay should be going. But it's going to mean that his fantasy value and appeal in 14-team leagues is probably not even going to be there as we move forward. Calden Johnson's an interesting player, isn't he? He played 69 games. Giggity! He played 29 minutes a game. Now, he was a guy that at the start of the, the draft process... I was like, oh, let's take this guy with the last pick. I think there's a real chance that he starts. And then the news came out, what with the Derek White news that Colton's going to miss the beginning of the season? I went, oh, maybe they don't start him. Maybe they go back to the bullshit of Trey Lyles. But I said, let's take him with your last pick. If Darius Garland's not around, take him with your last pick. And let's see what happens. And it happened. He started straight away. He played really, really well to start the season. And then everything fell off. He just disappeared, and he was ended up being not good. 198th in category leagues, 144th in points leagues. He just completely disappeared. He averaged 13 and 6, which is like all right. 48 and 74, no steals, no blocks, no assists. And one of the reasons I did not like Keldon Johnson coming out of college was he had a reputation as a 3 and D player that provided no defensive stats whatsoever. But then you give him the Kentucky benefit of the doubt and go, he plays for Kentucky. So, so much of what happens when you play for Kentucky gets squished by whatever Calipari is doing there. And then they can blossom. So I thought maybe there's, a, there's room for that to change. And then he played 17 games last year and had 0.8 steals in 18 minutes. We went, Ooh, that's a lot of steals. That's some good numbers. Look at those threes. He's hitting a lot of those. 0.8 threes per game in 18 minutes. That's really nice. On 59% shooting, mind you. And then this year, he averaged 0.6 steals in 29 minutes. 0.3 blocks. 0.9 threes. 
And the same shit that was my worry for him from Kentucky showed up this season. He was a negative 2.2 EPM. It's not a particularly good number. He was well down in Raptor for a 3 and D player. He didn't hit many threes and his D wasn't particularly good either. Giggity. And for a guy that I, I did like and I did you know, say yeah, prop up as a late round pick, I, I'm not convinced with him at all. He's only 21. So you give him that benefit of the doubt. He was thrust into a larger role and he can definitely improve. But he can't really pass. He's a low-volume three-point shooter with low efficiency. He doesn't generate defensive stats, and he's not a high-usage guy. He'll have the occasional big game. He had a 20-20 and 20 game. After I said, all right, guys, get rid of him, drop him, he went out and said, Josh, eat a dick, 23-21, and 21. here you go, and I look stupid. Then he had 17, 8, and 4, and I looked really stupid. Then he went 9, and 3, 5, and 3, 5, and 8. And I went, all right, this is why. Occasionally, he'll have some nice score times. But remember, scoring 14 points or 13 points is well below average in fantasy. It looks good because it's a double-digit number, but it is below average. 13 points is like equates to four rebounds. It equates to like 0.8 steals. It equates to like 2.8 assists or something. They're, they're not big numbers. And when players go out and have their best category, or one of their best categories, his best category was actually his rebounds, but you know, the most visible category being the scoring, it does you know, twist your mind a little bit in terms of what his overall value is. I still think Calden can be a solid enough starter, but he is not a key piece that you cannot replace as a Spurs person. Like if Luka Sharmanich comes in and battles Calden Johnson and plays better and gets the job, I don't think that's... That's fine. If they draft someone and they compete for the spot, although it is Greg Popovich, they probably won't. Uh, that's fine. Now, I think Calden goes in almost guaranteed as the starter next year and Gay will, will be gone. And I think Calden can play 31 minutes a night. And I actually don't hate taking him as a flyer last round pick. But the lack of assist steals and blocks, low efficiency, low threes, is a real concern. And some of his defensive issues were pretty bad, I thought, this season. And it feels like I'm shitting on the bloke at 21. But I think we need to put some of his performances in perspective. While there were some good games, overall, I don't think he played particularly well for the duration of the season. Gorgie Jen barely played in um, Memphis, came across to San Antonio as a third stringer, third string center. And when he played, he played well. Only 15 minutes a night, but 229th in category leagues, 16 fantasy points. He averaged seven points, 0.4 blocks, 0.7 steals, which is one of his best categories as a big man, and 52 and 87 elite efficiency numbers. But Gorgie Jeng's 31. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's just going to sign somewhere as a third string center who can absolutely be used as a really, you put him in and you go, oh, I feel I feel comfortable that Gorgie Jeng's there. His EPM the last two years has been through the roof, plus 2.6 last year and 1.3 this year. 66 true shooting and 42% shooting from three. It's all really good. I'm just not sure that teams are going to trust him to give him a large enough role, but he is a player that if somehow he's pushed into 28 minutes, he is absolutely going to be a must roster fantasy player. He just puts up numbers. But you know, ideally, teams won't be relying upon that. He was, I thought he was relatively impressive, though, in the time that he got. Pat Mills, 33. That's how old he is. 68 games, 25 minutes, 11 points, two and a half threes, 41 from the field. It's not good. 91 from the line is. He does nothing else apart from hit threes. That's his role. He does it well. He's an excellent bloke. Fantastic bloke. Great Spurs person. Awesome teammate. You know you can count on him to do just some, some really good stuff on the court and be an elite shooter. 
He will sign with the Spurs. He will play 20 minutes a night, 22 minutes a night. He will hit two threes and be an excellent streamer there. But you can't scale his game to 30 minutes. You can't rely upon him if other guys go down. He just is a sixth or seventh man who's supremely reliable. We love Paddy Mills. Olympic Paddy Mills, one of the best players of all time, doesn't translate to the NBA. And he, he can scale that usage up. It just doesn't work in the NBA for Mills. But yeah, he's just going to be that great three-point shooter who we all love to watch. All right, here's another one that's going to be controversial. Lonnie Walker isn't good. Maybe it's not controversial. I don't believe in Lonnie Walker at all. And while we do have a huge opening Giggity. with DeRozan likely leaving and Walker probably slots in there, that is under no circumstance a move that you need to look at to make him a fantasy player. He played already this year, 25 minutes a game in 60 minutes. He averaged 18 fantasy points and was worse in category leagues, the 286th ranked player. Why Why is he bad? His advanced numbers are horrendous. Negative 4.1 APM. That's 14th percentile. He was the worst player on this team um, in terms of uh, Raptor outside of Trey Jones, who played 260 minutes, or Quindary Weatherspoon, who played 121 minutes. Lonnie Walker was the worst. In LeBron, he was actually the worst, even behind those guys. Negative 3.47. The advanced stats hate him. Watching him on the court doesn't like him. The fantasy stats, he's not good. He averaged 11 points, but again, it's one of those things. 11 points, man. He's Lonnie Walker is a bucket. Lonnie Walker throws it down on your head. Yeah, that's great, but he gives it all up the other way and does absolutely nothing else. Now, he's 22. Am I writing him off? I'm really bloody close to doing it. I think I have, in fact. Like showing absolutely no sparks through your first three seasons is a concern to me. Bad mid-range shooting, poor finishing at the rim, solid three-point shooting for sure. Not a rebounder, not a passer, high turnovers, not a defender. He will start next year, I would guess. I wouldn't. There is under no circumstance would I start this bloke if DeRozan leaves. Devin Vassell is the guy that I'd put in there. But they will probably start Walker. He will play 28 minutes a night, and he will not crack the top 200, is my prediction. Maybe he does. Maybe things turn around. If there is anyone in your dynasty league that believes in Lonnie Walker, sell him for anything that you can. Uh, sell him. Someone will believe it. Uh, next year, mate, it's going to happen. Breakout's coming. Maybe I'm wrong on this. I could very well be wrong, and I'd love to be wrong, because I think he's a good guy. I think he's a really good bloke, and I'd love for him to have, success, to have success. I just don't think that he will. 11 points, two rebounds, one assist, half a steal, 1.73. doesn't even take enough threes, and that's his best category. 81 from the line, never gets there, and 42% shooting. He is not a player you want to rely. He's not a young core player. He's not a reliable long-term guy. I just don't. He's only 22. Threes in the NBA, I've seen nothing. Drew Eubanks, loved what he did. He's 24, played 14 minutes a game, six points, five rebounds, 57 and 73. So some solid numbers there. Block shots at a nice rate, 0.9 blocks. And as a backup center, when you're trying to develop a team and move forward, yeah, there's a space for him. Now, the advanced numbers despised him. His EPM was bad. His uh, Raptor was, um, yeah, actually, his Raptor was all right. His LeBron was sort of lower third of the team, negative 0.62. But uh, there was enough there where I go as a backup. He doesn't completely hurt you. And if he has to be elevated into a larger role, he can do some things. Will he ever be a top 100 player? Almost definitely not. Even if he was pushed into a 28-minute role, I don't think you'd look at him as a top 100. He's no Yucca Pirtle. But there's enough there to go, yeah, solid enough uh, NBA backup big man for at least a year or two. Let's talk Vassell. 
62 games, 17 minutes as a rookie. And that is, that's the number right there. This is Greg Popovich. Lucas Sharmanich didn't play last year. Calden Johnson didn't play. Derek White didn't play as a rookie. DeJounte Murray barely played as a rookie. Rookies don't play under Greg Popovich. And yes, he hasn't had a pick this high in a while. But Vassell is now 20. He's going to turn 21 in a couple of months. Regular rotation piece most nights. He averaged five points, three rebounds. 0.7 steals in 17 minutes is encouraging. He shot 35% from three. That's encouraging. And again, this is the guy that if I have the chance or had the choice, he's the guy that moves in and starts with DeRozan likely gone. Now, he's probably more of a two than a three, but he is six seven. His advanced numbers weren't particularly good. A true shooting of 53%. He finished the rim at 62%, low attempts, but great. 84 from the line is awesome. True shooting of 53 is not great because his you know, overall shooting wasn't awesome. Assist numbers were low, but good steal rate, good defensive stuff. Um, I was, you know, his LeBron at negative 1.4 is not ideal. His Raptor at negative 1.9 is not ideal, but to me, there's enough there to say he could be the Calden Johnson Spurs player that I take with my last pick in a draft next season. I just think that there is enough there. If he plays 29 minutes a night, 12 points, two threes, three boards, two assists, but 1.5, 1.6 steals, 45, 46% shooting, 85 from the line. I think there is enough there. He is, to me, a better prospect than Walker, a better prospect than Calden, I believe, as well. Um, and I'd like to see where he goes. I think there's some pretty big things coming from uh, Devin Vassell next season. Daquan Jeffries. And you might be in Daquan Jeffries. Josh, he didn't play for the Spurs. And you're right. He didn't. He played for the Kings. He was waived. He played for the Rockets. Started games. And then he was waived right in the very last day of the season and was picked up by the Spurs. So he is a San Antonio Spurs player. He's got a non-guarantee for next year, but didn't play a game for them. He showed some moments, especially in Sacramento, where you know, some of the stuff that he did was going, oh, well, maybe there's a spot for him on a uh, NBA roster. But yeah, that's probably about it, isn't it? Really, not much to really get too excited about outside the top 350 for category leagues and for points leagues, he averaged uh, four points. The rest of this roster is not much to talk about. Trey Lyle, 11 fantasy points, 400th ranked category player. He went from a starter where he was shit house to a bench guy that barely played. Let's talk uh, Kata Bates-Diop, who's a second-year player who had some moments in Minnesota last year, started a couple of games for the Spurs and did okay, but overall, yeah, not a guy that we're going to be uh, really relying upon. I don't think, think there's any huge upside in, in him at all. Uh, Lucas Sharmanich is probably the most interesting of these real deeper sort of players. Now, not a guy that I loved when they drafted him. He showed some improvement this season. It wasn't huge, but he showed some improvement. He shot, what, 48 from the field, or 45 from the field, 28 from three. He's not a steals or blocks guy. He shot badly from the free throw line. He's not an assist player. I don't think there's any real fantasy value in, in Lucas Sharmanich as we move forward, but he could find himself in that Rudy Gay role. I, I don't think it translates to good fantasy numbers, though. There's just too many holes in his game, and I've yet to see those really be filled. Quindary Weatherspoon played minutes for this team. 120 of them, in fact. He averaged two points and shot 17% from three. That's cool and all. Well, Trey Jones, um, 37 games, seven minutes, barely played. I thought Jones was okay. I don't think he's as good as his brother, Tyus. Um, very hard to judge, though, with this Spurs team and how he played. Uh, there is an opportunity, if Mills does leave, for him to move into a larger role next season. And you yeah, think when we look at his good assist rate, solid steal rate. He shot 60% from three, obviously, in very limited minutes, 270 minutes. 
Um, so we'd hope he'd be able to at least be remain a, a good three-point shooter. Because um, that was obviously a, a strong number, but he just didn't really take any at all to, to you know, generate. What, what did he do? Three of five? He only took five threes in his 37 games. So it's impossible to make any judgments on that. But let's hope that he can be a better player um, than we saw. But there is a little bit of hope there for him, say more than like a Lyles or Bates Diop or a Weatherspoon or probably even a Jeffries, to be honest. But we're a long way off him having uh, you know, significant fantasy value if he ever... Um, if he ever has um, any sort of uh, value, yeah, it's, I think we're we're a long way away from that. Is what I am uh, what I am trying to say. All right, so it's time for me to get into the questions that you guys asked. Will says, "Will Devin Vassell average twenty five minutes plus next season?" Yeah, I, I do think he can. Will Jakob Pertl maintain top seventy five ish value in twelve team category leagues? Yes, as I said, I do believe that. Brett with a controversial state, st- statement says, "Jakob Pertl, which he spelled Jacob." Jakob Pertl is a good backup center for us, but definitely not our future starting center. Who should they target in free agency or through the draft? Brett, your starting center is Jakob Pertl. He is a very good NBA starting center, and I disagree with the premise of your question. So they shouldn't be targeting a free agent center or a draft pick center. They they take who the best player available is. What their problem is is forwards. They have no forwards. It's not center. They need forwards. Who is the most promising player on this roster? excluding DeMar DeRozan. Is it Calden Johnson? Derek White? Drew? Is it Drew Eubanks or other? Most promising player? Um, How are we going to define promising? Yeah, DeJounte's 25, Pirtle's 26, White is 27. Does that, dis- you know, including them? For going young guys, it's Vassell. Uh, Vassell over Calden and Lonnie to me. They're the 21 and 22-year-olds. To me, it's Devin Vassell, who is the uh, most promising prospect on this team. Brent Jones, who's the successor to Pop? That's a good question. I don't know. I would like to think that they are yeah, putting Becky Hammond into position to succeed there, and I think that's a possibility. I, I don't know for sure, though. Cam Schroth. Do I think the Spurs go completely reliant on young guys, move on from DeMar, slightly rebuild, look to sign some veterans to get back to the playoffs or continue being satisfied, being mediocre? Um, I think they will rely upon the young guys a lot. White, Murray, Johnson, Walker, Vassal, Pirtle will be their core. They will bring in some veteran guys, like Mills will be there. Maybe they bring back Gay. They'll bring in some veterans to fill the bench pieces, but their major players will be the young guys, young or your know, middle middle age in terms of NBA value players um, moving forward. Um, who's the better breakout candidate next season, Derek White or Calden Johnson? To me, it is clearly Derek White. But we will see how that all pans out. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up, drop your notifications, or drop your comments below. Hit the bell for notifications, and share it with your friends. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.